Look deeper than the flashing lights, the bragging rights The new shoe smell and the fresh Adidas of Nikes The long nights and tough fights come with the package If you just out here capping and it's hard to channel your passion I'm asking, you ready for college action? Not just in your sport, but on the campus Study hall after practice, presentations for classes Maybe getting your master's, just make a pro But your mindset on being proactive, now that's attractive Give recruiters the whole package Running track or smashing the tennis ball in the matches Or swimming laps, please to the grasses Cause you the fastest on the field Now tell me you ready to make a deal with yourself to make it all real Taking truth over fields can make you a couple meal Or better yet you reveal the real you and fulfill Your purpose, how does it feel to focus on your future? No Uber, you taking the wheel, that's real and we know that's why you came, so clock in, lock in, while we give you the game, let's work. Welcome, everyone, to the Elevating Your Potential podcast, where we enlighten middle school and high school student-athletes about the realities of college sports. We have another great show for you today. Um, I wanted this person on because, number one, he's a former student-athlete. Um, he's a great man, a great person. We had the opportunity to be at, um, at SMU together. And right now, he's currently a graduate assistant as well. So I think he can give us some great insight um, and wisdom in what it takes to make it as a student athlete and also what are what are coaches looking for? Because, I mean, he, he's played um, a couple years ago, so he's he's fresh out and he also has the other side of it as well. Um, his name is Michael King. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me on the show, and I'm excited to be able to sit down and speak with you. It's going to be a good one. For sure. Thank you so much. Um, so can you start uh, out by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing? Yeah, so like you mentioned previously, I met you through SMU. Before that, went to school in Houston um, at Klein Oak High School, which is in Spring, Texas, little city in Houston. And then previous to that, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, lived there for about six years. And then I, me and my mother and my sister, we moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I was in Florida for just about another six years, and then I moved to Houston. So Houston is most certainly probably home at this point, home away from home. You know, Jamaica is really home, but Houston is definitely where I would consider home. That's where my mother lives and Whenever, you know, the holidays come around, that's definitely where we're heading back towards. And then went to SMU, played soccer at SMU, was a student athlete there, had all four years there, had a great experience. It was an amazing time. And then after that, had the opportunity to continue to play. I played with San Antonio FC, which is a team in the USL, which is a tier below MLS, which for anybody watching, to give you a little more perspective, since I know soccer is not the biggest sport right. in the United States, it's basically essentially G League. If you watch the NBA, it's the G League. Essentially, or if you want to correlate it to football, you can correlate it to like the Canadian League. It's just that tier right below the top one in the MLS. So I had the opportunity to do that. Did that for just about eight months before I tore my ACL for a third mm -hmm. third time in my meniscus for a test second. And, you know, went to some consultation with doctors. And I'm a, you know me, for other people not, I'm a tall, slender man. So they're just like, hey, look, you're probably going right. to do this again. It seems like your body's just continuing to do this. So called it quits at that point. And this is, this is where I landed now. That's how I became the graduate assistant and now working under Coach Hudson, who recruited me and everything. So that's really where, where we land today. Perfect. So you said a couple of things that I actually didn't know that I want to get into. The first one was about you moving from Jamaica. What was that experience like for you when coming into a new environment? Um, I mean, you came from overseas. So how was that experience for you? Obviously, since I was younger, it was a little bit easier to adapt just because I wasn't necessarily – entrenched into the Jamaican lifestyle at that point but definitely culturally there was a big difference obviously you know people different foods different ways of living everything was a little bit different in Jamaica it's a third world country so you're not going to have all the afforded opportunities that you have within America so it was a lot different so it was definitely a, a learning curve once we got here probably more so for my sister who's older than I am by two years 
as she was probably a little bit older, could remember a lot more. But it was definitely a learning curve. The majority of it for me, which I always blame it on why I'm so skinny, is the food. I miss, <laughs> I miss the Jamaican food, man. That was the best part of it. So that really was the biggest part, just the cultural aspect of getting used to, you know, the American way of living, the American food, the American culture, and all these different things was definitely a big transition for myself. And still to this day, it still is. I can tell you every Jamaican restaurant in the Dallas area, it's still very much, you know, in me to – live that lifestyle and, you know, take my, take care of myself in that manner. So that was really the biggest part for me. Perfect. Great. And then my second question is, I knew that you were a great soccer player, but I didn't realize you made it to that level. Um, so can you talk to our student athletes about number one, what it took for you to get there? And number two, what was your eight months like while you were playing um, professionally? Man, Jeremiah, you're too kind, my man. It wasn't a great. I had the opportunities, man. You know, opportunities always present themselves and I was fortunate for it. So I'm definitely, it was a great blessing, but Man, I can tell you, you know, talent wasn't always what I had. You know, when I was younger, I remember there was a thing called ODP for anybody watching. It's very similar to NBA. It's very similar to basketball where you would play AAU and they choose the best players within this state. And I was fortunate to be selected. But when I got there, the coaching staff told me I should think about playing basketball because I was a tall African-American kid. And right. the and stuff, they said they didn't see the actual technical ability there for me to be able to play the sport. So really, that's what motivated me. So once I made it to the level at the professional level, it really wasn't necessarily just because of talent. It was because of the work that I put in to just continue to try to hone in on my craft. I understood that I was going to be skinnier there, but I understood that technically and all these different things, maybe I wasn't as astute as some other players, but I made sure that I worked on it all the time and continued to get seen and shown that I was, you know, willing to adapt and I was willing to listen, willing to take in information and I can actually, you know, work on the fly and do it. So that's really what benefited me and allowed me to be able to play at that level for those eight months. And once I got there, man, it was an amazing experience. Obviously, you're playing with some of the best players in and around, you know, not even just this country. People come from other, you know, other places like myself. You know, there's a couple other Jamaicans that were actually from Jamaica, living there their entire life. People from Argentina, people from different places around the world. So that was awesome. Just culturally being able to see that and understand that and seeing the different styles of play because everybody plays differently from you know if you're from Argentina from Brazil you probably have more flair than an American but right. you know it was it was definitely a great opportunity and it was great to just be able to see it for those eight months and be a part of it because I know that's what we all work towards when you grow up as a little kid and you really want to play sports and then you make it to college you know your next goal oftentimes is to play professionally or try to get there so I was definitely very fortunate and I you know hindsight 2020 I don't not not even mad about the injury or anything because I really got to enjoy something that you know not everybody necessarily gets to enjoy and it was a great opportunity and I really got to see what it took to get there and what it takes to stay there because it's hard work every day it's waking up and being dedicated to something it's going you know going to bed with the mindset that you need to wake up to be a practice eating the right stuff so it was great it almost teaches you some more discipline after that because at college is very much so different than the professional level it's another level above mm -hmm. So I want to keep, I like that, I like where you, uh, where you're going right there. So you talked about college. Let's come back down um, a little bit. And what was your experience like as a student athlete? And what, what's some um, advice you would give our student athletes who are trying to get there? Man, my experience as a student athlete was SMU was great, man. I loved SMU. Like I said, I met great individuals like yourself, had some great coaches to play under, played under Tim McClements, who then left and was under Kevin Hudson, and then some great assistant coaches that came through there. So it was a great it was great, man. I loved SMU. The, the culture around the team was great. The different people that were around there, everything was unbelievable. And the way they took care of us was great as well. The faculty, staff all cared for us, our academic advisors, everything was really amazing. So 
truly like the experience was unbelievable. The experience was unbelievable. And it took, takes a lot though at that level too, to maintain yourself and be able to play at that level too, because there are at the professional level, I would say there's probably less outside things pulling you towards making mistakes. Whereas in college, there's so many different things. You've got your parties, you've got girls, you've got, you've got so many different things that are, you're around 24 seven. So it's, you know, almost sometimes a little bit more harder to focus at that level, just because you've got your schoolwork, you've got, parties that are opening up frats you got sororities you got this you got that there's so many other things that can really take you away and pull you out of that you know that mindset of what you're truly there for which is an education and to play your sport and hopefully you know push yourself to get to that next step within your sport so it was great man it was great smu is a great school it's a great university and the people that are there were unbelievable and the other athletes that were there were great as well they all helped we all worked together I know when we were in the weight room oftentimes I'd see you down there you push one another so it was really it's really a great opportunity man it's really it's really great I I I really have nothing forward to say about it just you really got to be disciplined and you really got to work hard and you got to put yourself you know you just got to nail yourself down and say hey this is what I'm here for and really not try to get focused on all the exterior all all the outside things that are available right yeah, for sure, for sure. That's, those are all great things. Can you – you might have already talked about um, the next question I'm about to ask you, but what is the biggest lesson you learned from your whole experience in college? The biggest thing that you've learned either about yourself or just in general in your classes, what was the one thing? You don't know how much potential you have until you truly – that's what, like, until you truly just hone in and grind it out because – when I got to college, I was very nervous. I was nervous. I didn't know, am I going to play? Am I going to be good enough? Are they going to be, they're 25 years old and I'm 19, I'm 18, excuse me. And like all these things. So the biggest thing for me is really just trusting and believing in yourself, finding that confidence within yourself, because that'll take you a long way, not even just on the field, but in the classroom as well. Because I know often I come from a background where, you know, sometimes schooling was not necessarily the first thing that you were doing. It was sports, but you know, you had to really reach out to yourself and say, Hey, look, you can do this. You're able to do this. You can go take these classes in cops. You can go take these other classes that may be a little bit more difficult. So I really think that was the one biggest thing I learned was that to bet on yourself, like you're, you're capable, you're more than capable to do whatever it is that you want to do. And that's really what I took from college is continue to bet on yourself. And today that's why I probably am going through getting my master's because I want to bet on myself. You know, you can do it. You, you, your coaching staff knows you can do it. They mm-hmm. showed you that. Your academic advisors show you that. So really, it's just looking yourself in the mirror and saying, hey, you can do this. Because I know oftentimes it gets difficult. It's not easy to go through college and be an athlete, an athlete at the same time. Mm-hmm. So really just betting on yourself at every moment, knowing that you're able to accomplish whatever goal you have set. And then also just setting goals. That's the biggest thing I took from that, too, was not even just on the field. All my teachers, everybody always said the same thing. Um, probably one of my mentors to this day, Coach Bertrand, always used to tell us write your goals down put your goals on that's one big thing I always took from him put your goals down somewhere where you'll see it every single day somewhere where you'll understand so that was something big I took from just the whole scope of school too is really focusing on yourself bet on yourself and then also set goals for yourself don't just let the days pass you by make the days count Mm, I love it I love it and Dr. Bertrand actually I interviewed him a few weeks ago Um, and so his episode by the time your episode comes out his would have been out as well so that's pretty cool Uh, I love that so right now you're a graduate assistant. Can you break down for our student-athletes what exactly that is and what you do like on a day-to-day basis for the SMU soccer team? So as a graduate assistant, I'm in the train. I'm there all day. So essentially, basically counted a job, right? You're there. I'm there from 7 a.m. until 
5 p.m. Some days earlier than that, if training is at 8, I'm there at 6.30 to set up the field. So my role is basically going to be, like I said, a lot of the logistical stuff and then also a lot of the stuff that pertains to setting fields, making sure the boys are out there getting ready. There's also a system that we use that wasn't around when we were there for us, but now they have it as technology continues to improve and we start to invest more in the athletes and focus in a lot more on their actual body and stuff and understanding. So now we have a system called catapult, which basically analyzes a lot of analytical data throughout. So player load, how much you run, how far you run, how fast you run, the actual output that you guys have. So it basically computes all that and puts it into a little algorithm and tells you how much player load and all these things. So my main job is to basically control all of that to understand that information for each of our 25 athletes so on the blink of an eye if coach says hey what is what is Garrett McLaughlin's player load I can tell him hey it's this player load okay is he tired does he need to come out and I'm like yep this is what his player load naturally is so a lot of that stuff I'm working with is going to be on our that catapult machine managing that throughout trainings managing that throughout games and that's going to be the main bulk of my job is really that analytical data piece is really focusing on that and making sure that we're able to use that information to tailor training sessions, tailor player loads, how often players are training, if they need a rest, if they need a break during games. Mm -hmm. I'm really focusing a lot on that. And then also just the logistical side, whenever we're traveling in season, I'll be the person who manages a lot of that stuff. I'll book the hotels. I'll make sure I'm reaching out to all the people for meals, making sure everything is taken care of, making sure the flight stuff is taken care of, making sure all of that is all good and busing and all of that. So really any type of logistical you think of whenever you travel with a team, that's going to be mainly what I'm the person that is controlling all of that stuff. The head coach doesn't even, he looks to me, he'll look to me, hey, King, right. where are we going now? What, what are we eating for dinner? Where are we, what, what is it? What restaurant? All these things. So that's really going to be the big bulk of my job is managing all of that stuff. You could almost consider it like almost like a secretary role past the catapult you're the one that's right. holding all that stuff so it's it's awesome though because you get to see the deep dive in you know the coaching side compared to the athletic side where we don't really think about the graduate assistants or the coach exactly or who's scheduling the flights or who's doing that we just show up when they tell us to show up and we get on the plane and go so now being on that side that's really what I'm mainly doing and then obviously I have school in the evening so six for the MLS program, it was 6.30 to 9.20 in the evenings, three times a week. But for the Cox, it's going to be a little bit different. But that's really my main – that was my main gist of what I've been doing for the past year and a half just about. Perfect. So I hear I hear catapult. I hear um, setting up um, flights, restaurants, all these different things. So to me, that seems like a lot of – I hear money and investment into the student-athlete. I'm sure that's cost – I know catapult alone is probably thousands of dollars, um, if not about, about, about twenty five thousand dollars for that briefcase. My coach makes me know every single time we get on the flight. <laughs> that, that briefcase is more important than anything luggage that you guys. Right, so, it's so, quite expensive. So twenty five thousand just for the catapult alone. So can you help our student athletes understand the magnitude of the money that these that schools and athletic programs are putting into them? I don't know. Sometimes I don't think we think about it. Yeah, right. no, we don't. You're 100% right. We don't, right? When I played, I never thought about all the things they did from a nutritional standpoint, from the te technological standpoint, all the different things. They're pouring tens and tens of thousands of dollars and more than that. I'm just talking about tens and tens of thousands of dollars just for the actual technology that you're using. But on top of that, the meals, the the gear that you get, the cleats, all everything, everything you get is the top of the line stuff to ensure that they give you the best competitive advantage to win a game on Saturday if you guys are playing Saturday or if we're playing on Thursday, whatever it is. So, no, there's 
at the, at the end of it all, right? Like it's hundreds of thousands of dollars every year for each program easily football by yourself, SMU soccer by itself is so much money. So no, they invest heavily in us to ensure that we just give ourselves the best advantage to be able to compete at a high level, because obviously we do have quick turnarounds. It's not like NFL necessarily where they get a longer duration. You guys do have quicker turnarounds. So they have to invest a lot in the technology, the catapult to understand. I know the football players, you probably didn't wear it when you were there. I don't think it was around yet, but I know now they're wearing it on the football side as well. And that information is being used regularly to basically manage load, Shane Bichelle, James Prochet last year, whoever it is, like that information is always being calculated. And then also from that, they'll take that information, go downstairs to the weight room, give it to RJ, who's the nutritionist, and say, hey, RJ, I need his body to get back. RJ will now go basically run that through, figure out what type of protein, what it is that they have to order to make sure that athlete gets recovered for their next game. Mm -hmm. So it's lots of money. And that's just one player, right? You guys have, yeah, you guys have Tony. We only have 25, but you guys have a team of, Okay, I don't even know how many, how many right? Like a lot. A hundred, so, you know, and everybody is, you know, you don't just look at one person as lesser just because you may be low on the depth chart. They take care of everybody at that same expense, you know? So it's it's a lot of money, man. It's it's a lot. They truly, and I can sit there now on this side, and I appreciate it a lot more because I didn't, I didn't think about it. I just wanted to get out there and just kick the ball and play. Mm-hmm. But, man, there's so much that they do for us on the, outside, on, on the outside that we don't see. There's so, so much. And for myself personally, like, we have preseason because our season didn't – start in the fall this year got postponed due to COVID but previous to that we got to go through a preseason and since the cafeteria was closed because of COVID and all these things I was the one who was running to Kroger every day buying four five hundred dollars worth of food just to ensure our athletes are good for three days and then go into Kroger for the next three days so like and if it wasn't me doing it like it would have been our head coaches doing it so they make sure and I know on the football side they were doing the same thing I saw them coming in and out from Sam's Club with me so it's a lot that goes into ensuring that we make sure that the athletes have the best experience and also give them the best competitive advantage to succeed at their sport whatever that may be yeah I think so piggybacking off that I have to look from the other side so what do coaches want in return for all this investment? Because, I mean, they're investing for a reason. They're giving you this money. Either, either they give it to you. Well, they're not giving you money. Let me not. Let me take that back. But yeah, right. Don't want a compliance issue. <laughs> indirectly, you get the money um, through the services that we've talked about. But what do coaches want in return for that? Man, just commitment, really. Just the commitment to your teammates. Not even the commitment to the coaching staff necessarily, but a commitment to your teammates just to do the things that you're that you're meant to do. To If you have training on a Friday, to not be at home on Thursday night at going out, you know, just that commitment to your teammates. And because, like I said, there's so much that's going on on the outside that people are doing to ensure they give you the best chance to compete at a high level. All they ask in return is just your commitment to doing the little things right, like continuing to do the little things, you know, making sure that you do say no to that Thursday night. Wait till there's not a training on a Friday, then go do your Thursday night or wait till the spring to do your Thursday night. See if you play in this fall or whatever it may be, you know, they really just want that commitment, that continued commitment to the program to continue to just fight for that shirt, right? Fight for that SMU, what's across, what's across the front of your jersey. Continue to fight for them and then fight for your brothers, sisters, whoever it is on the field. And that's really all you can ever ask for from anybody in life, I think, is just that commitment to whoever it is you're working for. If it's a company, if it's the school, just the commitment to do the best that you can do every day and put the best foot forward and make sure that you're always holding yourself to a professional standard. And that really means, you know, doing the right thing all the time, you know, 
making sure during COVID right now, that's what we always kept harping to our athletes. Make sure you guys are doing the right thing. It's not the time right now to go out. It's not the time to come to preseason and go sit at the pool with 20 other people because you can impact your teammates. We have to shut down if you guys do that. And then you can't train for two weeks. It's different things. So that's really all we look for. We'll do whatever we can for you guys. We'll get you whatever we can. They call me Kingy. Kingy will go to Kroger 10 times a week if he has to. But all we ask is that then you guys just do the little things for us. Make sure during this pandemic that you guys aren't out going out. Make sure that during the season you guys are, you know, getting to bed on a reason about doing your study hall hours. So that's not an added stress for the coaching staff to have to worry you up, go up to the third floor of the A-like and say, he's not doing a study hall or he's not doing this, you know, just the commitment to do the right things. And that's all, man. That's it. We understand that performances may drop at times and stuff, but you know, the commitment just to continue to push, continue to strive for that excellence. That's all you can ever ask for. Yeah, I think it, it sounds so simple on the surface. Like, just just come, be prepared, and be ready. But unfortunately, we do have some student athletes. Well, you have some student athletes that might not uphold to that standard. Um, and I don't want to get in trouble or anything, but in a general sense, what usually happens when student athletes don't hold their end of the bargain and show that commitment for their teammates and for their um, essentially coaches as well? Yeah, so obviously it all depends upon, you know, what – circumstances are what you're doing you know but oftentimes for us you know coach Hutchinson and coach McClements the two coaches that I had coaches that I had during my time yeah there's going to be we understand college and you're an 18 year old kids 18 to 24 year old kids we understand there's going to be things that are going to lure you in and you're off sometimes going to get into that I can't lie and sit here on, on the podcast right now and say that I've never done something that I shouldn't have done gone out on a night that I shouldn't have gone out and for us within our team obviously every team is different but within our team there's a strike policy you get yourself enough strikes, you will be off the team. And it doesn't matter if you're one of the best players, you're one of the worst. It, it, it's that it's we hold everybody to the same standard. We're a team, we're a family. Everybody must be held to the same standard. So really, it's that's what will happen. It'll go through, you know, the strike policy and the consequences could range from going downstairs to go see Eli and, you know, he'll get, he'll, he'll get you right. <laughs> or, or going upstairs and going to see Susan and Susan will make sure that she gets you right, whoever it is. You know, there may just be a talking, but – you know, at some point, yeah, there is there is that possibility that you can be kicked off the team because they want to hold you to that professional standpoint. And they can't find you like at the professional level and take tens of thousands of dollars of you. But you can lose your scholarship. You can be kicked off the team if you're continuing to impact the team in negative manner. So we go through the strike policy. But oftentimes, you know, we hope that we'll never have to get to the point to where somebody and I never when I was at SMU ever had anybody kicked off the team because of bad behavior. You know, you've had people get strikes and whatnot for different right. things. But that's really what we like to do is the strike policy. And most times, you know, people will learn after the first one. And I don't think athletes, athletes come in, you're already a committed person. If you come in from high school and you've made it to this level at the division one level, you're committed to something and you have a goal. Sometimes you do get lured away. Oftentimes in life that happens to everybody at some point, you know? So we understand that. And we just try to do our best to make sure we, you know, hindsight 2020 that we understand they are kids. They are, we were there at some point. Mm -hmm. They're having a completely different experience than what I had. They're not able to hang out with even their buddies on the team. We tell them we don't even really want them doing that too much. So, you know, there is going to be moments that they do have little hiccups. But like I said, you know, the strike policy is a great way to basically, you know, hey, slap on the wrist the first time. Don't do it. Come sit down and talk to me. Sign sign this sheet that we had this conversation mm -hmm. and let's go on about our day. And But if it continues to be an ongoing issue, then, yeah, there is possibilities of, you know, being kicked off the team and then also you know that impacts your life in a big way because some of us you know I was fortunate to get a scholarship 
if it wasn't for the scholarship, I don't think I could pay. I wouldn't be able to go to SMU, right? So like you don't want to, do those, right? Like you don't want to do those things. You don't want to impact your family in a negative manner too, not just yourself, because it's an amazing opportunity to be able to, you know, represent a university and get a scholarship to do it. So yeah, it's really the strike policy mainly, and but oftentimes I've played younger football team too. You know, it's not too often that you really have to get too deep right. into that. People yeah. usually hold themselves to a high standard. These athletes that are at SMU, so. Yeah, I would agree with that 100% as well. Um, we didn't have a whole lot, maybe one or two a year, but that's pretty much. Yeah. Um, and we had a team full of 100 guys like we talked about, so it wasn't it wasn't a big so your percentage is pretty good. Yeah, you're right. not doing too bad. <laughs> um, a lot of what we've talked about today have been like from a physical standpoint, um, but our student athletes, they might not um, be as mentally prepared for this step. Like we all feel like we are. Like I feel like I was ready. Um, to make that transition when I was a senior in high school, but I was not at all. Um, so you being a student, former student athlete, going through the process, and also being a coach, how what's some advice you can give our student athletes to make to prepare now in junior high or high school for mentally for that next step of college? Mentally, I think it's just really just trying to make yourself as disciplined as possible before you get there. Trying to really just focus in on how you can. What is it for you? Is that is that creating an, a, a calendar, an agenda type thing, a planner, you know, starting to do that at your last semester in college. So you understand, hey, okay, I need to start getting used to doing this. So I know what's due, when it's due, because I'm juggling five classes in one day and then another two on the Tuesday, Thursday. So I got seven, whatever it is, like I got to be able to understand how I stay organized. So figuring out what works for you, what works best for you. So when you're in high school, try to figure those little things out. And then the other biggest thing to me is lean on someone. Oftentimes, a lot of people don't want to ask for help, right? We want to Egos are too big. You feel like it's a dumb question. I can promise you, like you just said, it was a struggle too for me when I first got to college. Like, shoot, <laughs> doing laundry, right? Like, like <laughs> God, my mom did my laundry, right? Like, well, right. all right. And now we're using communal laundries. Like, okay, so I, now I got to do this. I got to set timers. I got to remember my clothes. And like, it's different things that a 17, 18 year old boy or girl, like you got to start to focus on those things and figure those things out. So doing it Doing it at, when you're at home, the last semester, or trying to figure it out on your own at the beginning is the best thing that I would say. I wish I would have, you know, started to take ownership at that beginning because then the first semester of college may have went better because it was tough. Because I wasn't – I was trying to figure out how to juggle so many things and then also try to keep my performances at a high level so you don't lose your spot. So you are playing well. So you are helping the team. So I would really say that. And then also counselors or something. Lean on your counselors at school. I know sometimes they're not as – accessible or not they don't, you don't know who they are but speak to them speak to somebody who's been there speak to a friend that's been there don't be afraid to ask questions about hey what do you think I should do like hey how do you get through this like um what is this you know different questions whatever it may be there's never a dumb question I don't believe there's a dumb question when you go to college because nobody it's a completely different lifestyle you're moving away from your family that you've been with for the first 18 years of your life and they did everything for you Mm -hmm. And now you're going by yourself and you're going to live with a roommate who's just like you too, who's just yeah. leaving their house. So I would definitely say the more you can do when you're leaving that last semester of high school, you know, we all call it as seniors in high school, you know, your best semester. There's, yeah. you can't, I've already committed to my school. There's nothing that can happen. I'm good. I'm or whatever. So use that. Then use that time to really focus in, you know, figure out how to do your laundry, figure out how to, you know, become more organized and different things like that. That would be my biggest thing. And then lean on other people, man. Lean on other people. I had to figure that out. And once I figured that out and I started to lean on Coach Bertrand, because it gets easier, but still as a junior, you still have questions. You still have, you still need help. You, I, I still need help as a 26-year-old man. Now I still lean on Coach Bertrand, right? Like you're never going to not need help 
but it's good to be transparent and speak to those individuals. And then also, if you're somebody who's fortunate to be, you know, within athletics, if we're, you know, obviously both of us were athletes, ask your coaching staff, can I reach out to my academic advisor previous to getting to school? It's not a, it's not a compliance issue. It's not a compliance issue. Reach out to them. You're committed. Reach out to them. You can speak to them now. See what you can do. Ask them, hey, okay, what, what, what can I do to get ready? What can I do to prepare? And they, they will be more than willing to help. So you brought up something that I want to ask you about that I didn't, I forgot about this completely until you said it. So what is compliance? Because in high school, we don't think about compliance, but what is compliance and what is their function like on a campus? Compliance is basically, I, they probably wouldn't appreciate it that much, but it's like the, it's like the police force for <laughs> athletics, right? Like they're like, they're like the police of athletics. They ensure that coaching staffs mainly, you know, the athletes don't necessarily have much to do with it unless, you know, for us on soccer, if you go play like, it's called PDL, which is basically summer league soccer to keep yourself in shape. They'll tell you the different rules and regulations. You can't have more than five players on the same team because then they consider it basically a training session in a sense and you guys are getting extra benefits. Compliance is the one who tells you donors can't give you money, belts, shoes, clothes, different things. So they're the ones that really, like I said, they're, they're great, right? They're great for us because they keep you honest and they keep, they keep you really like honest like that's really the best thing they keep you honest with the coaching staff and making sure that you do everything correctly so all the things from like a recruitment standpoint which is going to be more on the coaching side they ensure that you know you understand when are the recruiting periods when can you recruit, when can't you recruit they make you understand you know sat different stuff when the athlete all these things that are accepted and not so really the best way to explain it because you don't really interject with them all that often besides to sit in the meetings you know whatever it is twice a month to understand what it is like what's impermissible which is the big word you hear in compliance which is basically what you can't do <laughs> it says a big word for what you just can't do and that's really what they tell you as an athlete is what you can and can't do what you can and can't accept from other individuals or different things around that from the coaching side and that's it's a lot deeper than that because there's so many different things with recruiting so many different things with scholarship all these different things but from the athletic side it's really just what you can and can't do as an athlete and it really comes basically down to money right like yeah. not accepting any type of financial gain while you're at smu because then yeah. you could hurt the university or impact the university in a negative manner for sure for sure and i'm glad you brought up recruiting because that leads perfectly into this next question um, i don't know how heavily involved you are with the recruiting um, for the soccer team but what from a general sense again i don't want to get you in trouble we just talked about yeah. compliance but from a general sense, what can a student athlete who's aspiring to be uh, to play in college, what can they do to put themselves in the best light for college coaches, both on and off the field? On the field, more than anything, man, is, you know, the intangibles, the things that nobody can really, the things that nobody can touch, things that can't change, which is going to be your attitude, the way you're perceived, and the way you carry yourself, right? Those are going to be, those are going to be the three big things that coaches are going to look at. Everybody, if they're looking at you and they're speaking to you, that means that the talent is there. Now what's the next step? How you carry yourself? What type of person are you? Because you're not only representing that SMU soccer program or SMU football, you're representing SMU. You know, athletics in this country is huge. You, you know, if you're, if you're playing at some SMU, our football team, we're continuing to do better every single year. Every single year we're getting better and better. Like sooner or later, these athletes are going to be the face of Dallas. You're, you're going to be known. So it's really carrying yourself to that professional standard and really holding yourself to that. So yeah, that, that's really, that's like, from that, that's really what it is. And I don't know if I answered it perfectly, but. You did. So I want to ask you, because I don't think people really understand the seriousness behind um, how deep college coaches go into recruiting and asking people in your area, like, how, 
tell me how deep do college coaches go to see? Deep. If you're a transfer, if you're a transfer, it doesn't matter if you were a junior transferring to a school as a junior in college, they go back to your high school, some of them, to go speak to them to learn about your character and who you were as a person. If you're a high school student, they'll go back to the peewee days and if they can and speak to somebody. It gets deep because you need to know that person. And oftentimes, you know, you know them as an athlete because you watch them so much on film and games. So I know how good you are as an athlete, but I don't know you as a person necessarily right off the bat. So they'll go all the way to the lengths of speaking to, you know, close, close teammates, ask, you know, different questions that will tailor towards. It won't even be a question you think is that is tailored towards that athlete, but they're really using the question and the line of questioning to really get an answer. Yeah. So that it'll, it'll go deep, man. And then, like I said, I worked when I was fortunate enough to work for um, Coach Morris whenever he was here and um, in the offices for an internship for sport management. And I got to see a lot of like, from that standpoint, like, they're looking at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm talking going years back to see what you're tweeting, yeah. how you're acting, what you're saying, and, you know, like, different things, man. I know, like, one of the programs this past year, you know, somebody had said something inappropriate years, years back. They lost their scholarship on it. But wow. it, was, it, was, it was that it, during the time of the injustice and everything that's going on in America right now, yeah. it was something that tailored towards that, and you couldn't let it fly. So they'll go back and they'll find what they can to try to learn as much about you because it's a heavy investment. SMU is 70K a year. Do you do that times four? They're investing lots of money in you. They're going to ensure that you're the right person. They're going to ensure that you don't, you know, damage their program and their university and put a bad name on their university. So, yeah, it, it, the recruitment side, man, they'll speak to – Anybody that they're able to get a hold of that is close to you. And that's not just the high school coach. That may be a middle school, somebody who knows you, a teacher. It could even be a teacher. I know when I was getting recruited, teachers, you know, could be spoken to. Like just somebody who would know you maybe different from on the football field and they know you in a classroom setting. And how does he act there? So, no, definitely. It'll, it, it, it goes deep. It's, it's, not just, it's not just, hey, send me this film and let me watch this film. And now, hey, you're a very good soccer player. Or you're a very good football player. Or you're a very good volleyball player. No, it's okay. You're good. But now let me see who you are as a person. Right. Because that's what I want is people who are good people, good athletes on my team, people who are leaders, people who do the right thing. And it doesn't mean necessarily lead by speaking. It means just lead by actions too. You can be the most quiet person ever. You can be the biggest leader because you lead by your actions. And those are the people that programs want to represent them. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and so I kind of want to go on the, on the field because I've never really had a conversation this deep about um, recruiting. So we always hear like, they're recruiting you already, like the talents that you said that a second ago. What, maybe you can just, just talk about soccer, but what do you mean by the talent is there? Like, is there something, like if I'm scoring three goals a game, if I'm having a lot of blocks as a goalie, like what does, I'm sure it differs per, uh, like per position, but is there yeah. like some measure of how good I should or need to be in order to get attention from college coaches? Man, the biggest thing would be, I think, Obviously, if you know, there's going to be – if you're a forward scoring goals, you need to be scoring goals. If you're not scoring goals, you're not going to get recruited, right? Like, you got to be scoring goals. But also, there's going to be the IQ piece of it that you can see a player, like in soccer, you know, if you see them peeling off to the back post, peeling off a player's shoulder, the movement of their – the way they move, the way they see the game, the way they organize. If you hear them vocal, that that's a good sign. They understand the game. They're smart about the game. They know how to organize people in front of them. That shows you that, hey, look, this person understands the game. They watch it. 
they're, they're a connoisseur of the game. They don't just come out here and kick a ball for 90 minutes and then go home and never touch the ball again until practice on Monday. So we really look for a lot of those different things, you know, the vocal leaders, the people who see the game, and then also just an intelligence, understanding spaces to take up, understanding where to go, understanding how to create space for your teammates in the game of soccer, you know, dragging defenders away. And you may not even touch the ball, but it's like, man, the coach saw that. That kid's smart. Like, that kid knew what he did. He just created that entire goal by just him running to the corner flag or whatever it is, and he didn't even touch the ball. Like, different things like that. And I know in football, oftentimes, you know, like, there's things that happen there too. You know, if an offensive lineman is pushing the pushing the D line back and then a linebacker comes through and tackles, like, yeah, the linebacker is the one who gets all the credit, but man, that offensive lineman, that lineman, excuse me, is the one who, who's, uh, you know, created all that stuff. So you see those little things and you have to be able to really watch the game and actually understand the game to be able to recruit those aspects of players. But a lot of times, you know, that's what we're going to look for because if you're scoring goals, like, that's great. But now we want to see your IQ of the game. Do you understand the game or you're just somebody who's in the right place at the right time, which is also a great trait. But we try to look for a lot of the IQ stuff, your knowledge of the game. Yeah, I love that you brought up IQ. I'm so glad you went there because I think even for me in high school, I just thought, hey, okay, I have this route as a receiver, run the route, catch the ball, touchdown. I didn't really think more about, like, the intangibles on how am I setting up this defender to win? Like, I might have done it instinctually, but I didn't, like, think about how important that was to a college coach. So I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up. Yep. It's, it's huge. That's, it's, a, it's a huge point, like you just said, is, you know, yourself as a tight end, you know, playing that, you know, right? Like, setting up, setting up that linebacker who may try to check you, putting him off to that side by just – and some of it is like the angle of your foot. Some of it is the way your shoulder pad is fixed. Yeah. Like it's crazy stuff, but it's like, man, like if you, obviously I don't understand football to the level you do. And man, it gives me goosebumps just thinking of it. Like for soccer aspect, like it's such a crazy thing because we had a player named Mauro Cicero. And when you watched him play in John Lujano, when you watched them play, it was like, man, like this kid's, like this kid's unbelievable. Like he's not even touching the ball, but look at him. Look where he's at. He's always in the right place. It's always doing the right. Like it's just such a high IQ for the game. And you're like, man, it's not even that he's faster than you, stronger than you, bigger, whatever it is. It's just he understands how to manipulate you. And that's the word we like to use. I'm going to manipulate you into thinking for right. yourself. I'm going to manipulate that linebacker, manipulate that DB, whoever it is, to thinking I'm going left. And the moment I, the moment I cut my foot right, I understand my quarterback's going to have that ball whistling out to me. Yep. Like those different things are what we, what we look for and things that you can't really teach right for you it was instinctual which is great too because that means that hey look his instincts as a, as a they're unbelievable like he understands what he should be doing but it is crazy when you go back and think it's like man if I really would have focused maybe a little more on me actually knowing that I'm doing it I may have been able to who knows what I could have been right like who knows what I could have done to people because I had all the other things but if I would have just been able to understand how to use my IQ of the game better to put me in better positions and to put other people in worse positions that are defending me or to create that little bit of gap, because I know in your sport, it's a matter of, right, centimeters and inches, you know, it's not, literally. It, it's literally, right, it's, it's one step in front of somebody, it's, so it's like those little things all come down to your IQ and knowledge of understanding how to play that game. Mm -hmm. How does one increase their IQ? Is it just simply by watching film, or just watching games, what is it? Watch it, watch yourself. Okay. When you play a game, watch yourself. Watch the way you move, and then also you must always watch others. Watch people that you aspire to be like. If you aspire to play in the MLS, watch players in the MLS. Watch how they play the game. Watch people in your position. Watch your own film. Cut your film. See where you're messing up and then go train it. That's the only way, right? Like, that's the only way you continue to enhance your IQ. Watch people at the highest level, right? If you're a soccer player playing here in America, watch the Premier League. Wake up in the mornings and watch those games. 
Watch the players play there. If you're a wide receiver and you want to be great, watch DeAndre Hopkins, who's undersized, but his IQ is unbelievable. And he play, he makes DBs look like idiots. Watch right. Gay, who's smaller, and he makes people look like they're – right? Like, right. watch those people because watch – if you're somebody at SMU right now, right, watch James Poche. Yep. You want to be where he's at. Watch him. What did he do? What was his things that he did? And then continue to – you know, shape that into your own game. Not necessarily copy them because everybody's different, but just watch it and say, okay, I like the way he did that. How can I do that? And maybe I put a little tweak to it and make it my own. But you must watch people that are at the level you aspire to be at. And then also you must watch yourself and actually be critical upon yourself. You know, constructive criticism and critical criticism is good at times, right? Like constructive criticism can come from your friends and your colleagues and your teammates, but you need to be critical upon yourself. You need to be able to look at yourself and say, hey, that was awful, man. That was poor. Why would you take that angle? Like, what were you thinking in that moment? And then change it in training the next day. Yeah. Then try to work on it. So that's really how you continue to enhance your IQ of something in the game. Just like in school, you don't enhance your IQ without reading. You don't enhance your IQ without studying. You can't just, you know, you can't just take the test and get a no. get a C and then not study the next time and right. think you're going to get a better grade. Like, <laughs> you're not going to get either worse or the same. So, you know, you got to go back and look over what you did wrong, where you, where you may have messed up and revisit that so that's the same thing when it comes to athletics you must always revisit your film and even if you're playing unbelievably there's always a something you can always get better yeah yeah michael man this is this has been great um i know i've learned a lot um no student athletes have learned a lot um are there any parting words that you want to say before we um log off for this episode man thank you for having me and then also man to anybody watching it continue to be motivated and go after something be passionate about whatever it is you Whatever it is you do, whether that's athletics or whether that's school, just be passionate about it and really find what it is that makes you tick and makes you go. That's the biggest thing I know we all talk about and you hear it so much in 2020. What's your why? Why are you playing football? Why are you doing it? Is it for your family? That's a great reason to get out of a situation that is sticky. If it's academics, is it because you always have wanted to be that doctor? Just figure out your why and then be passionate and attack it. Attack it full force, man. Don't don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do something. Attack something full force and I promise you, your lot, your your potential, and what you believe you can do is a lot greater than what you can even imagine. So mm-hmm. that's really what I would say. And congratulations to yourself as well. This is an amazing podcast. It's great what you're doing for all these kids that are hopefully watching this in high school because it is things that everybody could use, regardless if you're playing athletics. Just to understand, you know, what you're going to be encountering and how to best be ready for that. Yeah. Thank. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that, uh, man. I hope nothing but the best for you moving forward. Um, And I pray that you have a great rest of your week. And I hope you all do, too, that's listening. Hey, thank you. You too, man. And happy holidays to you and everyone listening. Thank you. Work and elevate. Let's work and elevate. Let's go.